the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. This looks like on top of me, so everybody just follow me, because we need a little... The problem is, the perspective is massaged. The lipstick on the pig is put on by the propagandists of the government supremacists called media. Right now on the TVs here in the studio... CNN has on about the Republicans sparring to oust the speaker and all the rest of it. They're missing the broader point. Kevin McCarthy was removed for a very simple reason. He sucked. He sucked at his job. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. He was removed. That is a good thing. That is not a bad thing. That is something that the Democrat mafia and their moron base never do. They're not interested in correcting mistakes. They're interested in capitalizing on the chaos it causes. That's why there is no question in my mind that the easiest vice president this country has ever seen, the best lunch date in Washington, D.C., was sent on a mission to create the welfare rush we are now calling our immigration problem. You see, prior to Joe Biden, we had an immigration problem. There was no question about it. But the country, both Republicans and Democrats, had a different set of standards, which is why in the entire 1990s, after Joe Biden revealed himself as a fraud in the late 80s through his miserable, weak attempt to be president when the country had standards he was laughed at he had to go sit in the corner with the dunce cap on for a good decade and a half until barack who likes him big and round revised his career in the meantime the country always had an issue but we always had standards another thing we understood is prior to the welfare rush to when it became more beneficial for people to be on welfare than work and assist in, in a society that taxes the the income of the of the producer We all could agree on certain standards. All Americans, not only in the states most heavily affected, but in every place in this country, are rightly disturbed by the large numbers of illegal aliens entering our country. The jobs they hold might otherwise be held by citizens or legal immigrants. The public service they use impose burdens on our taxpayers. That's why our administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders more by hiring a record number of new border guards, by deporting twice as many criminal aliens as ever before, by cracking down on illegal hiring, by barring welfare benefits to illegal aliens. In the budget I will present to you, we will try to do more to speed the deportation of illegal aliens who are arrested for crimes, to better identify illegal aliens in the workplace as recommended by the commission headed by former Congresswoman Barbara Jordan. We are a nation of immigrants, but we are also a nation of laws. It is wrong and ultimately self-defeating for a nation of immigrants to permit the kind of abuse of our immigration laws we have seen in recent years, and we must do more to stop it. So then the new crop of Marxist mafia comes in, the Chicago-style Saul Alinsky profiteers of bad policy. That 
is now the agenda of the Democrat Party writ large, bar none. So now you have the Biden years. The Biden years have no problem wasting money. They embrace the wasting of money. In fact, they orchestrate it. Talk about the border wall. What were the the instructions after the transition of administrations when it came to the wall? So a presidential proclamation came out and uh, it was a 60 day pause that uh, publicly available. Uh, We're supposed to do an in-depth study and then come up with a plan going forward. Uh, Border Patrol did its part, everything. Um, That was done within about two weeks. Uh, Several briefings later, uh, there really had not been any decisions made. It went well beyond the 60 days. Uh, many of those projects today are just still on hold. So we're paying contractors uh, for a while. It was almost $5 million a day between DOD and DHS. Just to not. To not build the border wall. There's- That's the second week after the Dimwitten diapers stole in the most obvious election theft this country's ever seen. The most powerful office in the world. And the failures are across the board. That's what Democrats do. They fail. It's all they know how to do. Now, it's one thing when they fail and they destroy once great cities like New York, like Chicago, like L.A. We expect that you have the ability to move about the country. However, it's a different thing when they're imploding our services, when they're imploding our government writ large. This is why I'm going to play you clips from when the Dimwood and Diaper Bird Brain stole the office rather than depress you with the reality of just who this idiot is. Do you believe the border wall works? No. Okay, Okay. meeting over. See, they can't have him answer questions because he's a facade of a man. What he did is turn the once impressive White House into a convalescent home. In the meantime, this was always the intention from the first day that the mafia stole the office using Joe Biden as the hood ornament on the vehicle of corruption. Joe Biden says he's not going to build another foot of border wall. Well, think about that. It could cost taxpayers billions of dollars. Interesting. Grady Trimble is at the border in Arizona. How does this work? How could stopping work cost money? Well, Stuart, the contracts are already signed, so U.S. Customs and Border Protection says it would be extremely costly, potentially in the billions, to stop the construction. We picked this spot today because you can see where the newly constructed wall stops and the old fencing starts. That fencing is set to be replaced, but that might not happen under a Joe Biden president. It didn't happen, but the equipment was still bought. So what happened to the billions of dollars the American people spent in just the equipment, what happened to it? Biden administration. They have been reportedly selling off millions of dollars worth of border wall materials in an attempt to halt Republicans from restarting construction. Steel square structural tubes have been quietly posted on GovPlanet. This is an online auction house. 81 lots of beams have been sold so far for about $2 million in total. So we know who bought it. Right, because I, I, I see where this is coming. You have to remember, I'm from the Democrat ghetto. I know how it works. Whoever bought it will sell it back in an extreme markup. You see what's going on? In the meantime, the billions upon billions we lost, what are we supposed to do about it? Just going to whistle, right? Because the Democrats are in charge. And after all, you look around, you see how they, how they operate. They all walk around in Brioni suits, and they're all bust-outs who are on payments for their water bill, right? And uh, also... Uh continued uh, is there a word did he say a word in there because you have this dementia bird brain moron who was left silent for at least 15 years after he proved himself to be an incompetent liar 
Now he's the president, and now we're all supposed to eat it? I don't think so. In the meantime, what did he did what he did today isn't a flip flop. It isn't admitting he's wrong. It's finally getting to a point where even the Democrats in these areas throughout our country are disgusted openly, are disgusted, and they want it to end. That's what's happening. Why? Because of the chaos, the crime, the drugs, the inhumanity of third world hellhole nations. Smuggling and trafficking drugs, humans. It's every day. It's every day. County Sheriff Mark Daniels. And every time I hear a deputy or an officer or an agent said, we're in pursuit, we have a fair to yield, I cringe because right there, my citizens are placed in danger. And that's a reality. In October 2021, a 16-year-old suspected smuggler crashed into a 65-year-old headed to her own birthday dinner. She died. Last year, Arizona passed a strict new felony human smuggling statute trying to address the problem. The sheriff says the vast majority of the more than 400 arrested since are American citizens who came from out of town. Many recruited by drug cartels using social media. Messages like these intercepted by investigators promising would-be drivers thousands to race migrants away from the border. So to wrap this into the benign reality that these third world hellholes are corrupt. The governments abuse their people kind of like they do in these Democrat areas. To wrap this cartel mafia into a bad immigration system in which Democrats and Republicans throughout the 90s, early part of 2000s, all wanted to stop is to give them a virtue they do not deserve. What we are living through is the intended consequence of a policy meant to fail from the get-go. That is why Joe Biden, after stealing the office, immediately diverted attention from the fact he stole the office and started upon these policies of chaos. Because now all we do is try to solve them rather than remove the scallywags like we did McCarthy, the way it should be with our presidency. I don't want to have an impeachment hearing where corrupt congressmen can slow walk it. Let's have a no contest vote. Let's add an amendment through convention of the states and let's remove this crooked bastard. Just days ago, construction crews were building a wall that stands between part of the U.S. and Mexico. Tonight, under an executive order from President Joe Biden, that work has been paused. The construction was part of a campaign promise from former President Donald Trump and also a key piece of his immigration agenda. But now, billions of dollars of work remains unfinished. News Nation correspondent Marky Martin is live at the U.S.-Mexico border in Far, Texas, with our report tonight. Marky? The collateral damage from this is what you're living through on the news today. And now finally, people who were voting for Democrats for generations, you're finally pulling your head out of your ass, huh? You cannot keep bringing immigrants in. The city does not have the money. You cannot track them. You ain't tracking them good at the police station. You don't know their name, but you want to spare them all over the city. It is unsanitary. It's unsafe. And it's just not right. But you're a Chicago Democrat and you voted for this bust out in a $6,000 suit. Right. You, like you voted for him. You would have voted for him in New York. You would have voted for him in New Jersey because you're a step and fetch Democrat vote. And now you want somebody else to pick. Boy, you seem to be on a theme here, don't you? I'm Gabriela Primus. A lawsuit by South Shore residents back in May was filed to stop migrants from moving into the former South Shore High School. Now that more. What do you mean a lawsuit? You voted for it. Now you're going to sue. So what? You get money. What about all the rest of us that have been paying for 50 years? For your corruption, for your mistakes that aren't mistakes at all. The consequences are intended. Us as the migrants are coming in, the residents want more to be done. A rally was held today. 
refile a new suit that was more comprehensive and also address some of the concerns and some of the uh, responses and answers that people had. The attorney for two South Shore residents, Frank Avila, says there are important parts in this new... That's how it goes, right? I hear about it all the time. We're a democracy. Majority gets to take away the rights of the minority. Well, you don't like it when you're the minority, huh? That's why we're supposed to be a republic. Only in these Democrat mafia areas is this tolerated. Turning now to the migrant crisis here in Chicago. And today marks a record for the city. Right now, the largest number of buses, 14, expected to arrive today. So far, Chicago has welcomed a total of 17,000 new migrant arrivals. Our Sabrina Franz. That's it? Well, this wouldn't be a problem. I mean, after all, Chicago's lost 300,000 in the last two years. So you really need the people. Why is it such a problem? That has been at City Hall all day as two aldermen question whether Chicago should remain a sanctuary city. Sabrina. There are two proposals on the table. One asks for all voters to weigh in. Should the city still be considered a sanctuary city? Maybe if the citizens understood that by that declaration itself, politicians decided that law of the land of the nation was null and void. They nullified our immigration laws. So now wear it. Do me a favor and shut up about it. Or... Or maybe you don't become a step-and-fetch vote for the mafia. What do you say you wake up a little bit? 312-642-5600. He believes in freedom, capitalism, and individual liberty. And because of that, he's become an enemy of the state. He's Sean Thompson. And this is the Sean Thompson Show on AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. transparency from the fifth floor and what i want to say is to mayor brandon johnson we are disappointed in you this is the community that supported you how dare you no how dare you not how dare him he told you what he was he showed you what he was now you're mad don't don't yell at somebody else when you don't do your homework wear it wear it uh rich indian head park Hey, Sean, how you doing today? Wonderful. How are you? Good. Listen, after uh, two and a half years, Biden, uh, Biden is finally going to do something on the border. Mayorkas said he's going to build a 50-mile wall on the southern Texas border. The reason why they're doing it is they need to show the people in these so-called sanctuary cities that they're doing something because these people are fed up. Rich, you've been Even here all your life, babe. Guy, you've been here all your they life. They are fed up. You've been here all your life. You can't see this? Right. You can't see yeah, this? I see this is it. the greatest thing in the world. He's going to profiteer on his own corruption. We pay the cost. Now he's got six million people here. That is more than states, 30 states in this country. That's more than the people that inhabit 30 states. That's more people in two years. Now, those people have needs, Rich. Oh, they have needs. And now Kumbaya, right? Because what we know is one house with eight people in it, regardless how you want to mix it up. You want to do a mom and a dad, a mom and seven kids, whatever it is. $1,800 a month in just food stamps. Just food stamps. And that's eight lifelong, lifelong Democrat-based voters. And then when they get mad, what are they? Oh, are you mad? We ain't having that, no. You want to tell us what to do in our... Shut up. Shut up. That's what goes with it. Now get in line. And if you're lucky, you too can get some food stamps. 
Have you had enough of government corruption? See, ironically, these policies, this kind of open failure where the politicians become oligarchs, walk around in $6,000 suits and don't pay their bills. That's the same kind of countries these people leave. And for those people, I feel sorry. But for the other kind, the predators, the cartel members and the all around warriors and foot soldiers of corruption. For them, I don't feel sorry for at all. In fact, we better start learning how to punish people like the 11 illegal aliens that gang raped an 11 year old. A disturbing story now developing in Bemidji, where a 22-year-old man is charged with sexually assaulting an 11-year-old girl. And as Gordon Severson reports, there may be other girls and suspects involved. Gordon? Yeah, Julie, as far as we know, only one person, 22-year-old Oscar Luna, has been charged in this case. But Why? Why, why would only one? You see, there were 11 illegal aliens and three girls, girls, being used as sex toys. And now you're, you're embarrassed? Why? Because you're a Democrat area? Minnesota. You're another state. Wear it, you Democrat morons. Tonight, there are more questions than answers following a 22-year-old being charged for a brutal rape of a young girl in Bemidji. Sharon Yu spent the day in Bemidji pushing law enforcement for more information. There are still a lot of unanswered questions. This, is, this always bothers me. Why? Hey, hey I, you, we're asking you questions. You work for me. You in the costume. I ask the questions, you give me the answer. In this case, and neighbors who live in the surrounding area of 1800 America Court Northwest say no one has told them anything. None of the neighbors wanted to go on camera, but several of them have young children. The house where the 11-year-old was allegedly sexually assaulted is directly across the street from an elementary school. Neighbors say they didn't often see a lot of people go in and out of the house in question. And since police raided the place last week, they haven't heard much since. Bemidji police have not released any further information information other than to say that this is an active and ongoing investigation that was that was yesterday now we know all 11 illegal aliens raping three girls 11 years old 12 years old 11 years old sweet nice they're uh political prisoners lance and sherville yeah hi sean this is lance and uh, i'd like to suggest to joe biden and take this either as a wonderfully humanitarian gesture yeah. or as a uh, biting sar- sarcasm. But to save money, Joe should hire illegal aliens to build the wall. It's true, and you'll get it done a lot faster. I like the way you think, Lance. 312-642-5600. Smoke cigars and live free on The Sean Thompson Show on AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. I love the idea that people who are politically persecuted from around the world have some place to come where they can take advantage of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I have no problem with people that do that, but that's not what we're experiencing anymore. And I understand why we're experiencing this. I remember during the Obama years when Obama had a campaign where he was advertising in these third world hellholes about coming to America and receiving phones at the time, which was a big deal way back 2010. And all other kinds of benefits. All right, guys. So SNAP benefits increase today. So starting this month, we already know that millions of people will receive a higher monthly household benefits thanks to the USDA. Now, this is supposed to be for the cost of living adjustment for the federal fiscal year of 2024. So remember, this is supposed to address like the impact of inflation on SNAP recipient benefits as well. But the USDA they do this annual increase as well. So every- annual increase built in, 
right after Kevin McCarthy's backroom deal with Joe. I think my socks are wet, Biden, and I can't figure out why, even if I follow the trail. They were going to increase automatically, and they'll increase in perpetuity. And even though they understand there's a massive problem with our welfare rolls, we cannot track where the money goes. What are we going to do about it? Every year, you will get an increase in SNAP monthly allotments in accordance with the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics Consumer Price Index Trend. So we talked about that. Where's that three-month trend as well? Now, also, the monthly income requirements to qualify for SNAP benefits is going up as well. So if you got denied in the past, you might want to go ahead and check it out or try it out because you might get approved now. Also, able-bodied working adults between the ages of 18 through 52, you would need to prove that you are working at least 80 hours a month or pursuing an education, Alabama A&M, okay, I'm just saying, or in a training program to qualify for SNAP for more than three months. That sounds good, doesn't it? Except if you're in a state that's Democrat, sanctuary state, then you don't have to apply for any of that. So applications are open right now for the one-time cash assistance program that will help immigrant and refugees who were ineligible for any federal benefits. So we are... That means everybody, in case you don't know what the words mean. Eric in Marengo. John, I love the show, man. Thank you, brother. I just want to start out by saying that that I have many Mexican friends, and I have a Mexican neighbor, okay? And even my Mexican buddies came over to play pool in my garage the other night, and he's like, that's an aggressively large Mexican flag your neighbor's flying across the street. I said, I know, man. I don't get it. I said, I watched this guy come over. He's able to buy this house. He's got, you know, six vehicles. You know, I feel like that's great, but I don't understand why. If you were able to do that, if you were to come over here, whether you got here illegally or not, because they don't speak any English, that's fine. You would want to fly the flag of freedom, the American flag that gave you the freedom to come over here and enjoy all of this beautiful. Eric, this is something living in Melrose Park, living in Melrose Park. I experienced numerous times, thousands of times. And to this day, my friends, I don't really care where they're from. They're my friends from the neighborhood. But a large portion of them happen to be Latin in one way or another. I completely understand. you. This is the change of what you see now. So, and you're celebrating, in essence, when you celebrate Mexico. This is what I tried to do on that day when they were shutting down Chicago. And when I say they, I'm talking about the people who would rub it in the face that you're not only not proud of where you live today, but you're still paying homage to a country that is so corrupt, it's a cartel front. Mexico is a cartel front. El Chapo bragged about owning the president for $100 million. This morphodite that's in there right now is a liaison and a lipstick salesman for the Sinaloas and the new generation cartel. It is the fifth largest employer in the country. So if this person or anybody is proud of that, maybe they are in on it. That's the only thing I could think of. It's it's the same reason those morons in the city of Chicago get the Chicago flag tattooed on their arm and on their calf, which is my favorite one. It's the same reason. Are you proud of the once great city, the hub of financial insurance, everything you can imagine from the stockyards to you name it, the city with big shoulder shoulders where now it is a ghetto from one side to the next. Are you proud of that? Then you're probably an idiot or you're in on it. That's the only excuse for it. If you're asking me to explain stupid That's as far as I can go. Otherwise, you're going to have to talk to a Democrat, Eric. Thank you very much, brother. John in uh, Lake Como, Wisconsin. Hey, Sean. We got to create some chaos. Let's everybody 
apply for this uh, this new SNAP loan. Just load them up. Put chaos in there. Let them figure it out. Wait, that's I get it. I get it, brother. But I'm going to tell you, to me, I don't think that's the right approach. I get you're probably right. It would be chaos. But they don't care about it. In fact, in this same clip, I think it's in three, they talk about, um, I, I can't remember if it's Minnesota or Virginia. They know that the system has been breached, and they have tens of thousands of applicants that don't deserve it, and they don't give a rip. In fact, let me get that well, clip. So to, if you think you're going you're gonna to prove a point with government bureaucrats, they don't care about the money. If they cared about the money, no one would ever elect a Democrat again. The example we have today of Biden backtracking and the Democrat, okay, we're going to build the wall. How do you quantify what it cost us as far as time and money? You really can't. It's arguably in the hundreds of billions of dollars. But what about the murder and mayhem? Would the 11-year-old girl in Minnesota been raped, gang raped, and her two friends gang raped by the 11 illegal aliens? You don't know that. So how do you take back the government mistakes? You can't. And that's our problem. Where is this clip? Check your cards about this increase, okay? Because people are saying they already have the increase pending on their cars as well. Now in New Mexico, they are providing 30 million in food assistance for school aged children as well. Now, New Mexico has started making deposits and mailing out new cards on September 12th. It mailed out the final cards on September 25th. The state has mailed out 52,000 new cards for children that are eligible for the program. Now, typically it can take between seven and 10 days for families to get their new cards. But they are urging you to go ahead and hold on to these cards even after they issue the $120 pandemic EBT because these cards will be useful for the upcoming summer EBT program as well, which will replace the pandemic EBT next year. So remember, we talked about this last year. There's going to be summer EBT every single year. And the cards just magically get loaded. Magically get loaded. There's no follow-up. There's no circumstances. There's just buying votes, buying support, because when people gain their sustenance from government, they're not really interested in questioning their master. They just want the scheme to go on. Joe, we're talking so much this morning about Kevin McCarthy being ousted. You know what we're not talking about? 176 suspicious activity reports. 20 shell companies set up when you were vice president. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, a, a whistleblower testimony that says you accepted $5 million from uh, Burisma executives, as your son did as well. Mm-hmm. The influence peddling and the charges of bribery against President Joe Biden. We're not going to let that off of the front page. I'm now, let me ask you a question. If you've got a family living in a house, and let's say it's a family of four and you get $1,155 in food stamps alone, you get $1,800 for your rent, you get $1,000 walking around money. Do you care about this? The answer is no. And that's what the Democrat Party relies on because they're a step-and-fetch vote for more and more and more. See, the real face of greed isn't the American arguing to keep the money he earns. The real face of greed is the 80% of the rest of us who welcome this kind of corruption because they don't want to pay for their own food. And it also creates a welfare rush. And by the way, I really don't blame all of them. After all, they were lured here. Can somebody explain to me what Kamala Harris did with the $1.5 billion at the same time Joe Biden was stopping the building of the wall? What did she do with it? She went there and she bribed corrupt governments to incentivize their people to come here. That's why Mexico's best bus line takes immigrants from the south of the border and drops them off at the northern border. Eduardo, Tampa Bay. 
Yeah, Sean, thank you very much. Uh, 250 miles south of San Antonio, the Texas Rangers took over a island here uh, that was owned by the uh, cartels in Mexico. Uh, we need to have congressional hearings on how many more islands might be staging grounds near the border. <clears throat> I, I got news for you, brother. When the cartels are the fifth largest employer in the country of Mexico, the country of Mexico is a staging ground for the cartel invasion right. of America. That's it. Over. Game over. So don't tell me about Obador and Ford's new plants. The whole country is corrupt. That's why good people almost have to leave, to leave it, are forced to leave it. And for those people, I understand. But my offer to you is this. Nothing except freedom, liberty, and I, I know you're going to do wonderful. Most people who come here not relying on welfare have a wonderful life. We're beneficiaries and examples of that. Thank you very much, Eduardo. Uh, George in Naperville. Yeah, Sean, there's uproar now, but these useful idiot Democrats are going to start living their sanctuary city values and welcome these migrants into their homes. There's nothing better than a home-cooked meal, Sean. I have an idea for a cookbook. Right. Open Boyardines. Oh, I like it's it. Very it's much. a play on open borders and that famous chef Boyardine. Would yeah. you like to contribute a family recipe? Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, I have to get my Auntie Flory's uh, baked beans. Phenomenal, and it's good for all kinds of people, from rich people to hobos. Baked beans were a big seller in the Great Depression. And by the way, we got a better chance of hitting that than we do the Trump years in the successful economy. 312-642-5600. This is the Sean Thompson Show, where Democrats are always wrong, Republicans are seldom right, and politicians are never, ever to be trusted. On AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. There's two things I want to address about the, um, and I understand the caller's intention about, and I understand you know, the facetious manner almost in which he made it about applying for SNAP benefits. There's two reasons I don't participate in this kind of thing, and I'll tell you why. Number one, when you fill that out, I believe it's a, a government uh, application, and by frauding that, you would be breaking the law. Number one, not that it matters, right? Because we see how this Democrat scourge in the city of Chicago work. These pretend lawyers, these half-assed gangsters like Ed Burke and Mike Madigan. And how they launder a corrupt judicial system and the crooked ass judges that sit on the table of wisdom LLC. But that doesn't mean I want to dirty myself with them or the way that they operate or the way they think. And then there's the other thing. Aren't you an insult to all of the opportunity our ancestors came here for? You see, that's the pride that I think we're willing to give away too much. I don't want to participate in it. It's the same reason I never became one of those half-assed gangsters myself. You don't think I could sit on a bar stool at Tom's Steakhouse and kick back to some government official 30% of a contract? I could do that. But there's a certain sense of pride we have to start really exhibiting and living by. Now, granted, you may have to move out of the area to get clean. However, it's worth it. Kent and Elk Grove knows that. Yeah, hey, uh, hey, Sean. Hi, Kent. Yeah, about the food stamps, though, man, I mean... We're in so much debt. I say let it all burn. I mean, I'm 31 years old. I live with my mom. I'm on food stamps. I make way, way more money than the the required limit to be on food stamps. But if everyone else is taking them, why not? Because, Kent, Kent, you have to be better than the people who are destroying the system around you. In my opinion, you could do what you want, brother. But me, myself, the food tastes better when I buy it. Now, listen, 
I'm from an area where most guys say the food tastes better when somebody else buys it for them or for when they steal it. But Kent, you're going to learn, Brave. I mean this. I don't mean to kind I'm not condescending to you, but you're going to learn the greatest success in life that can never be taxed, can never be stolen is self-accomplishment and buying into this system doesn't make the food taste better. It makes your taste buds more dull. That's just my opinion. But, you know, I understand the philosophy. I strongly disagree with it. Jimmy Jefferson Park. Hey, Sean. How's it going? First time caller, long time listener. That means the world to me, Jimmy. Thank you. Yeah, hey, man. I really admire you, and I appreciate everything. I enjoy your show so much. Um, You know, me as an immigrant, um, you know, looking at all these people flooding the streets, just every corner, every light, every corner, people asking for money. I was at the store the other day. A guy dressed up 10 times better than me asking for money. It just, it's just embarrassing, man. I'm like, you know, we as immigrants, you know, we should have twice, three times more love for this country, for, those, yes. for what this country represents. Because, you know, we come from like, you know, these, 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 these whole holes from like the third world countries that, you know, once we come here and we see the opportunities that we can get to, to, to produce, to, to, uh, to, to uh, you know, to make things better for us, for our families, we should have much, you know, much more love for this country. Jimmy, than that's everybody I grew up with in Melrose Park. I'm not kidding you. This is everybody I grew up with in Melrose Park in the 70s. Melrose Park was a hub for illegals at that time. Now, my argument with the system is it should be far more efficient. I don't have a problem with that. But back then in the 70s, people didn't qualify for for welfare. So they came here and they came here for the right reasons. And every, you know, that town to this day, you go there, there's stores that are owned by people who are of Mexican descent, of South American descent. And they're proud people. But more importantly, they're proud Americans. They understood why they had to leave these corrupt hellholes. That's how it used to be when we were older. Today, you're going to come here and celebrate a country that was so corrupt. It sucked so much. You had to leave it, but you love it. I don't understand that. I don't understand it. I agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. And trust me, you know, I'm like, you know, it hurts. It hurts me in, in my heart. It hurts me in my bones. You know, when I see all these people that, that, that are flooding the streets, that are just like nothing but, you know, they don't have they don't have feelings for. Do you think they're going to have any feelings for where they come from? Do you think they're going to have any feelings, any start, any any, you know, any sense of proudness of being here or of, of, of trying to make them the, this country better or trying to make this, something of themselves produce something so this country can be better? Jimmy, Do you think all of those millions of people that are coming across have any sorts of feeling about this? Jimmy, Please, I'm going to no. tell you something. You are a better asset to this country, and I mean, and I'm dead serious when I tell you this. You are a better American than any daily than any daily voter. You are a better American than anybody who voted for and supported the ideology that's destroying my country. I mean that. You are a better American than any Chicago Democrat I ever met, and I hope to God I get to meet you one day. Thank you, brother. means the world to me. See, that's the American dream. That's what American pride sounds like. It doesn't matter where he's from. matters his character. The character is something that cannot be bought. Don't give it away. Because only you can. And you give it away when you accept this corruption. When you accept the ideology. Everyone knew what Joe Biden, what the Democrat mafia stood for. Now you had a decision to make. You were either going to cut yourself in on it or you were going to reject it and run from it.
and fight for the principles. Greed is not you trying to keep your money you earn. Greed is the sloth that wants to take it away in the name of some other virtue that never exists. Frank and Evanston. Bill Ayers. Yes. What about Bill Ayers? Bill Ayers is everything wrong with America. Yeah. Well, how about Bernadine Dorn? She's no better. Sorry? How about Bernadine Dorn? She's no better. How about Saul Alinsky? There you go. Uh, how about the ideology the of collectivism? There you go. The main point is that we're not educating people on who these people are, how they're connected to Brandon Johnson, how they're connected to uh, people internationally, the Frankfurt School. There's a really great uh, plug I'd like to give, Grinding America Down by Curtis Bowers. Have you heard of that? I have. Documentary? Yes. Yes, I have. That's what we need. We need to re-educate. 80% or 90 don't even know what we're facing. Frank, maybe it's because the way we do it is we put the name on it. By the way, thanks for the call. When what we should really do is focus more on that philosophy and point it out. Joe Biden's policies are Marxism. Simple. It's just wrapped in failure, sold by an old man who's always been a crook. I'll be back after this. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merck, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. This looks like a job for me, so It's interesting when we discuss the financial misappropriation scandal and failure that is government policy and finance, people glaze over. Ah, you're talking about the economy. And the most obvious failure that we've seen in 100 years is Obamacare. Undeniably a failure. My contention is it was intended to fail. That is the scheme of all kinds of government backdoor nationalization of society. It was intended to do just what it did. But why isn't there a bigger push back against it. After all, it's driven up the cost of what we call insurance by 400%. But the more diabolical thing is that it's driven out 50% of doctors. It's closed 50% of hospitals. It has successfully backdoor nationalized healthcare for people who were in the middle and are poor. Rich people will not be subjugated by this. There are good doctors who are pushing back against that, giving good people, middle class and lower class, an alternative. My next guest is one of those people. He has been a member of Samaritan Ministries International, and he is the founder of Your Choice Direct Care in Brighton, Michigan. He is Dr. Chad Savage. Dr. Savage, thank you for joining me. How are you? No, thrilled to be on. I love your introduction. Oh, thank you very much. Well, I'm very irritated, and I think we're at a point now where people have to be motivated and understand exactly what we're fighting. This is an intended backdoor nationalization of our life, and I think Obamacare is the best place for us to point it out to everybody because everybody's affected by it aren't they oh no doubt i mean it's the it's the biggest line item in the federal budget it's 18 percent of our gross domestic product so it's the largest part of the largest economy that has existed in the in the history of the world so there are obviously many leeches in that system it was implemented in a very diabolical way and that is the way that corruption government uh, american style operates it was implemented so that the people didn't feel the, the cost of it. So the cost has been spread out. 
And if you were close to corruption, if you were in some organized labor extortion mafia of a union, you got special benefits and the rest of it. But here we are a decade after its implementation. And now I have always felt the, the, the failure in it is undeniable, but I was an entrepreneur, so I paid those costs up front. Do people understand how much money it has cost us in the implementation? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, you're 100% right. It was implemented in stages and intentionally separated from proximity to elections so that with gradualism, people wouldn't realize the takeover that was occurring. It's actually interesting because it's the reason I left the insurance-based hospital-employed model that I was in and sought my own type of practice, which is called direct primary care, which is one of the only free market-based options within healthcare, And it actually drove me into an alternative to the traditional system, something called health sharing ministries, which a lot of people don't even know about. One of the reasons the current system has so much power is because we give them our money and then the big insurance companies and such turn around and they use our money to clock us over the head by going to D.C. or, or the various state capitals and lobbying against our interests but in, for their interests mandating that we do things like purchase their products, which is what Obamacare achieved. Well, what a lot of people don't know is that within the Obamacare law, there was a little provision that allowed for a different type of coverage to exist, and they were called health-sharing ministries. Mm -hmm. And I really became aware of them when I started my own practice because I was no longer an employed physician. I was just like everybody else out on, the, out on the street basically looking to find an affordable coverage product. And I was really excited when I found out about health sharing ministries. And in fact, they sounded so good, I assumed that there was something wrong with them because they were a third of the cost of traditional insurance or more. And, and I will tell you, in, since 2015, when I first started mine, they are not. Um, there, are, there are ones out there that you have to be careful of. You know, Not all of them are straight-laced. Right. But of the good ones like Samaritan and MediShare and such, they are honest. It just shows how much waste is in the system when they can provide outstanding coverage for about the third of, co of the cost of traditional insurance, if not even less. You know what's astonishing to me is the lack of respect that Americans had for the best system of health care in the world. We had such disrespect, we demanded mediocrity at extremely high costs. So we adopted this idea that there could be some utopia and everybody could be treated and single payer and all the rest of it without paying attention to the devastation this kind of ideology has had throughout the world. Where is the utopian uh, 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 supplied healthcare system that we should be modeling? Because I felt it was it what was we had before Obamacare. Well, even that wasn't ideal because really free markets were getting crushed out of the system even then. This is just a death knell, which has happened in recent years to free markets. And the interesting thing is because people are dissatisfied when they have to pay their medical bills. I get it. They can be high. Um, they don't have to be anywhere as high as they currently are. But, you know, no one said free markets are easy. Free markets are actually very, very challenging. But the question is, what's the better alternative? They are the most efficient distribution system and, and voluntary exchange system that has ever his, existed in the history of the world that works in every single industry, there is no reason that it can't exist in healthcare as well. You know, the entire field of insurance is interesting to me. I kind of reject the whole scheme of insurance. I remember it was created by, I think, two bookmakers out of New York that fled to Texas that came up with healthcare insurance. But I'm lucky enough to be born in the late 60s. And back then, doctors used to say, well, this is the bill and you would pay it. What was the real introduction to massively spiking up the cost of healthcare? Wasn't it the fact that insurance companies really weren't doing 
what the people thought they were doing. In fact, they were taking the premium money and then they were renegotiating costs with doctors and doctors adopted the philosophy that, okay, in order for me to get a third of my money, I'll just raise up the cost two thirds. And we never really addressed that problem. We just bundled it in Obamacare. Is that, am I onto something with that or am I misinterpreting? Actually, you clearly have a good understanding of the problems that existed in the system. It did originate in taxes. Um, And it's because what we call insurance and healthcare is not the traditional concept of insurance. Insurance is a financial tool. It's something you pay a small amount of money in to prevent uh, cataclysmic financial loss, but that's not what we have in the United States. We have prepaid medical plans, and it disconnects the consumer from the actual cost. So, um, you know, basically to make the analogy to your car, you, you shouldn't pay for coverage that is so comprehensive that it would cover every gas fill up for your car because you it wouldn't you wouldn't be able to go to Shell or Sunoco you'd only be able to go to Mobile or some other uh, station because they would have networks and you wouldn't be able to get premium you could only get the inexpensive stuff and instead of our already crazy four to five dollars a gallon it would be fifteen dollars a gallon and you couldn't they would control <laughs> every aspect of that that's why you don't pay for through for that through a middleman yes and you know what's interesting if you if people understood. That life is finite, number one, nobody gets out alive, number two, and that you kind of have to look after yourself while you're here. I think things would be better because what I've also noticed since the implementation of the Utopian Obamacare or Affordable Care Act, I can't help but notice the life expectancy among Americans has dropped. People's quality of life when it comes to health care has declined, especially if you look in these very strong, heavily government interfered neighborhoods. It seems like the quality of everything has gone down. Is there one example of Obamacare that has delivered to the promises made by politicians? Well, that they're going to more socialize that that promise is living up to its, uh, its uh, it, you know, it's, its promise that they would take over more of health care. But I'll tell you what, I mean, we're obviously talking about what's wrong with health care. And I agree on every single point that you're making, but I would not, you know, offer up a complaint without suggesting a solution. That's something that I was trained in my youth. And what I'm thrilled about is there are options out there right now that people right now in the current system can do to start depowering the current system and start taking back control of healthcare for themselves. And actually, so I was alluding to earlier is I actually discovered one of those options in 2015 when I left my practice and I found health sharing ministries. These are not going to traditional governmental insurance company cartel type networks. These are faith-based organizations that are based on biblical principles of sharing each other's needs. And those people go out and they interact with the healthcare system in a free market type fashion where they actually go and they're consumers of healthcare. They're paying for their bill, but then they submit it for reimbursement like insurance used to function um, when they actually need to access care. And that keeps them engaged in those transactions and it gives them choice because they get to choose the doctors they want to go to. They get to choose the hospitals they want to go to and they care about what it costs. So they rationally consume things. So it's reintroducing that free market aspect with a biblical basis. And um, it's truly freeing as a customer of healthcare, which I am as well, even though I'm a physician, but even as a doctor to interact with patients, because I don't have to seek prior approvals. I don't have to get permission from some administrator who doesn't know my patient. That patient and I talk and determine a plan that we agree on. We look for appropriately priced medical services in the area to accomplish that goal. It's very interactive without the obstruction of the government insurance company. So in, in this is really a concierge system, right? Because the only differ between concierge 
and healthcare, ministry healthcare, is, is the religious aspect. Is that correct? Uh, well, those are a little bit different things. So concierge is a, a kind of philosophy from the provision of care on the doctor side, whereas the health sharing ministries are, are more analogous to the coverage side, covering the rare events that could be financially catastrophic for the individual. They do encourage that most people just pay for things on their own that are inexpensive. And understand that it was estimated by the National Economic Council uh, during the Trump administration that anywhere from 80 to 90 percent of medical transactions are, are consumerizable, meaning it's not. The, the argument against this is if you're bleeding to death, you know, you can't price shop your way on your way in the, in the ambulance to the hospital. And that's true. But that, thankfully, is a rare event. Most things are not done in an urgent basis and can be price shopped. And when that occurs, that actually empowers that patient. They're the power broker because they, they control those dollars, which were always theirs in the first place. When you give them to an insurance company and then they give them back, there's this illusion that somehow they're being generous with, with their own money. They're not. It was your money in the first right. place. So you know, the key is, is keep it in your own pocket, and then you can be the power broker in that transaction. You know, and Dr. Savage, my, my solution for everything is to incentivize the people who are good at it. So when, I, when we had this healthcare issue, what I realized early on is they're trying to put lipstick on the pig that a lot of people don't care about how they treat themselves. A lot of people are involved in massive, massive, reckless behavior, sometimes uh, accidental. And for those people, I have the utmost sympathy. For instance, if you're driving down a, an expressway in Chicago and you get shot in the temple, there sh- you shouldn't have to cover that cost. You were minding your own business. But the people who are drug abusers and treat themselves poorly, they're going to consume more costs. And they had to come up with a unique way to cover that up. Because if we had a system that incentivized the good producers and the doctors and said, look, doc, you're obviously an excellent heart surgeon. You make $17 million a year because there's a line out the door, people with money that want you to perform heart surgeries. So what we're going to do is this. You treat X amount of people for free. Whoever you treat for free, we'll give you a dollar for dollar credit on your income taxes. To me, that was the solution. And you could do it with hospitals and you could do it throughout the the land. And we would have had that high quality of competition and people who were excellent at things. And in a way, I'm wondering, has that ever been proposed in the healthcare arena? I mean, outside of how do these hospitals like Danny Kay and Shriners, how do they stay in business? Because they have excellent doctors and people go there with nothing. Yeah, well, there's a false belief, and you kind of alluded to this early in, 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 your, in your comments just now, that there's a false illusion within the healthcare system that if somebody's doing something that's self-detrimental, they're excessively drinking, smoking, or something like that, we need to hide them from the negative consequences of those actions. And the belief is, falsely, that that's compassionate. But that's not compassionate, oh. because you're enabling them in their own self-destruction. So actually allowing them to get that signal back that, wow, you know, you do these bad things, your insurance is a little higher. It's actually a corrective signal. And I'll tell you, I'm not a big fan of high taxes, but every time they increase the taxes on cigarettes, you know what we get? We get a lot more people coming to the clinic trying to get off of them. So, you know, you can do that, but through, but by just, by basically risk stratifying these coverage products to say, hey, if you're engaged in these bad activities, you know, that's okay, but guess what? You're going to pay more for it. And that's a wonderful signal. That's a corrective signal. Um, back to that person that that actually could actually save their lives. Yeah, because I want to fight the syntax because the problem with the syntax is the government gets money 
And then they pretend that they're going to build things on that money. And then when people correct themselves, they don't participate because it's too expensive. Then those systems go on and then the rest of the people have to pay the taxes. So the flaw of a syntax is the government's in control of it versus the person smokes. Okay, you're going to smoke. Then for you to get insurance, for you individually, it's going to cost you five times as much. You still want to do it? And if not, you just have no insurance. And if you don't have any insurance, if you need a procedure and you can't pay for it, it'll be like it was before insurance. Go out in the parking lot and grunt. I really don't care. Yeah, and with the sharing ministries, too, because they're biblically based, they're, they're Christian-based organizations, uh, you cannot submit what are considered moral uh, uh, medical expenses. So if somebody's outside of a, of a marital relationship uh, sleeping around and they're contracting STDs, that's something they can uh, refuse to cover. It, they don't cover Ooh. things like abortions and, and uh, gender transition surgeries. So again, that's within that system that supports uh, biblically-based moral principles, which happen to be, you know, ironically, very healthy. So that's a wonderful thing. <laughs> so even if you didn't believe, first of all, you've got to be a believer to be part of one of these organizations, which is good too. So hopefully you're um, having people are going to forego some of these behaviors in the first place. But um, that actually creates for less expensive coverage. And again, those people get to benefit from that because the cost within the entire system of the health sharing organization like Samaritan is going to be a lot less. And the other thing I, I, I can't help but notice is the system that rewards people, not just because of bad behavior and covers everything, but it rewards them for not being able to pay. In some cases, Obamacare, you're far better off being a, a, a sloth that never had a job. You're covered for the same way the, the guy paying $2,500 a month is. And I think the fear of doctors discussing this is the real problem because after all we did lose 50 percent of healthcare workers that's something that's never addressed in topic i'm wondering is this something you do you know people that just simply stepped aside who were doctors you went to medical school with you practice with and nurses and hospitals oh absolutely you know it's 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 a stark contrast. Unfortunately, I'm going to reveal my age. I've been doing this over 20 years. And when I started medical practice, if I needed somebody to get something done urgently, I could get it done within 24 to 48 hours, even major surgery. Now it's three, four, five months, even if I call and beg. And the problem is this is, this is because of the exodus of providers from the system. In 2021, 115,000 doctors of a workforce of about a million left healthcare. That is catastrophic, and this is something that was foreseen. We warned about this. We warned about this in the early implementation stages of Obamacare, that the incentives they were putting in were going to cause an overtaxing of the system, burn out the providers, and cause a mass exodus. We are seeing that. The sad truth is I kind of feel that we're in a death spiral right now within healthcare. Yes. And, and you see this with the Kaiser Permanente um, you know, strike that's occurring. 75,000 guys. 75,000 yeah, healthcare workers gone. And health and Kaiser is one of the primary providers of health services for the entire West Coast. I mean, so this is a substantial disruption. And you never saw that in healthcare until these came around because it was a bunch of individual practices. Well, you don't strike when you're an individual doctor right. or an individual practice, you're your own boss. You do that when you've lost all agency, when you've lost all control, and your only recourse is to walk off the job. That's what happens in Britain. We're seeing it now in the United States. He is Dr. Chad Savage. I'm going to have you back because I also want to talk about how Kaiser Permanente really wasn't that big before Obamacare. So we had these entities that really built up after the destruction of the way it used to be prior to Obamacare, and now we rely on it 
and it's even a worse case than it should have been. He is Dr. Chad look Savage. United Healthcare stock price from 20, 20, 2009 to today. That's a quick look up for anybody who wants to see what Obamacare has done for these organizations. Where can the people go to keep an eye on you? Do you have, uh, is it is it yourvoicedirect.com? Where do you go? Yeah, that's, that's about my individual practice. And then, uh, you know, I, I'm part of the Heritage, or I'm sorry, um, Heartland uh, uh uh, and also for Docs for Patient Care Foundation. I'm a healthcare policy advisor for those. And I'm a strong supporter, though I'm not financially um, connected with SamaritanMinistries.org, which anybody who's interested in more affordable coverage should absolutely go and check them out. Dr. Chad Savage, thank you for joining me. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Pleasure, Sean. We'll be back with your calls and comments. He will never negotiate his constitutional rights with the government. Live free or die on The Sean Thompson Show at AM 560. The answer. Now, a lot of bad news during that break, boy. Dick Buck is dead. U.S. tourist destroys Roman statue at the Israeli Museum. The statue is considered to be uh, one of the great works of art, and it's hundreds of years old from the times of Rome, and a U.S. tourist in his 40s pushed it over and broke it in Israel. I hope they kill him. Do they still have that there? Let's just kill that son of a dog. See, that would be the answer to all of this stuff. For instance, the illegal aliens that raped the 11-year-old, all 11 illegal aliens, let's kill them! But nah, that's not the way it goes anymore. We're virtuous. Let's reward them. Tell you what, let's give them free health care. How about some food stamps? That'll buy them. Frank and Crystal Lake. Hey, buddy, long-time listener to you. I love your show. Listen, uh, you're talking about the health care. I have relatives in the health care, the doctors, nurse practitioners. Yeah. A couple, a couple are getting out of it. It is the Obamacare screwed up the whole thing. I tell you the story all the time about Jim the Daly. Insurance, hey, hey, the insurance companies run it. Oh, yeah. I'm like... I'm going to tell you a story real quick. All right. I had to leave. I had to have surgery done on my do- uh, my daughter's mouth, okay? All right. They charged me $2,500 to do it here. All right. Anesthesia. This, I went to another country, and I got it done for $500, and I was in sunshine, relaxing for three <laughs> weeks and used that yeah. money. As long as it didn't no, cost you 1800 I mean, to get there, I think you're ahead of the game. No, listen to this. The doctor told me, you go back to orthodontist, he's going to tell you there's a little chip bone here. And, my, and when I went, he told me they're going to tell exactly what he said he told me. Because yeah. he said the insurance companies run the medical system in this Oh, country. there's no question. That's and that's a good, you know, listen, it worked out for you okay. But do you know what's, what's fascinating is I was reading earlier uh, this year, that so far, um, when you have plastic surgery where they, the people go to Mexico, citizens, American citizens, it's insane when you talk about the amount of people that die. So that's a good story. But the other side of the coin is sometimes it turns out where people who are trying to save money on plastic surgery and whatnot go to Mexico and they die. So that's, you know, it's good and bad. But the main thing is none of this would have had to happen had the insurance companies not shorted the agreement with the people. See, the real culprit here is the insurance company. And then the culprit who compounded upon that failure is Obamacare, the government. They took a bad thing and made it worse, as they do it, uh, too many times, Frank. And, you know, the other side of the coin is the good doctors that just leave the practice, the good nurses and the good hospitals. How many hospitals that you took advantage of throughout your life are closed since Obamacare implementation? 
And the answer is, how do you even know? Right? Because 50% of the nation's healthcare providers closed. And by the way, I caught myself. Thank you very much, Frank. I think I said Danny Kay. I meant Danny Thomas, right? Yeah. Well, I like Danny Kay. He had the red hair. Whenever I think of government lying, I think of Hans Christian Anderson. So, Craig, Mount Greenwood. You taking my call? Sure, go ahead. Okay. This is really rich. So you got this Chucky Chuck the Schmuck. He's basically all over himself. He's hotter than a hornet and everything, and uh, calling for all kinds of stuff against these uh, eight or so uh, Republicans who he's calling them terrorists, uh, MAGA terrorists, and what they did. Well, what's the deal with his uh, about 200 uh, Democrats over there that joined in with the terrorists? Uh, I don't hear him talking about them. Well, because they, have to, he- they have to make people think what's important is that the new speaker gets along. When that's exactly the opposite of how people should be thinking. The new speaker, if he does not abide by what the people of this country wanted by hiring a Republican majority, if he commingles and collaborates and cuts backdoor deals with the dimwit in diapers pretending to be president, he'll get yanked too. But see, now the Marxist mafia has to put lipstick on the pig that is the Democrat failure. See, here's something that should have been a lesson to us all. I never thought McCarthy should have been the nominee. Absolutely not. I was well aware of the kind of people that liked him. McCarthy, does he deserve to keep his job as speaker? And should Democrats help bail him out? Well, I'm going to let Hakeem Jeffries and his caucus decide that. But if you can't figure out whose voice that is, that's the voice that drove this country into the one few times it agreed with all parties across the way. Everybody in this country understood why Bill Clinton cheated on this woman. Everybody. It was why it's a they gave him a national pass. I was pleasantly surprised that the speaker did the right thing uh, when he made common cause with those, as we like to say, grown up members of his own uh, Republican caucus and Democrats to keep. It's very grown up to agree with this whore. It's very grown up to agree with another most obvious corrupt political whore this country's ever seen. Nancy Pelosi and Hillary Clinton. Well, I guess you could just say Hillary Clinton. Uh, The government open. I would hope that that kind of mature uh, leadership isn't punished by the most extreme. Now, I want you to think when I when I hear this rat of a human being, example of a Chicago Democrat, when I hear her voice, I not only think of Whitewater, which cheated old people long before this dimwit was elected in another Democrat sewer like New York, but all of the corruption, all of the failure, all of the murder and mishap. And she's in a position, this failure, this Duchess of Chaffington, arguably the only politician that could have lost all of the races she lost. When you think about her, she still sits on Mount High as an elder to the Democrat mafia. Members of his caucus. So how the Democrats play this, and they have a couple of different options is for, you know, for them to decide. But uh, I think uh, McCarthy did the right thing for the country. And isn't that a there you go. So that should be the barometer of the future. From now on, whoever is going to be the speaker, whoever is going to represent the Republican Party, if this slob of a human being, this corrupt dimwit whore, the same woman who cheated every old person in Arkansas and the country of Haiti and everywhere else she touched, if she likes them, everybody else should reject them. That's the measuring stick. Scott on the west side. Sean, thanks for taking my call. Sean, I should preface this by saying that my 
the crime that I often think that the punishment should be, what I'm about to tell you, is credit card fraud, uh, specifically done at my small business. Oh. So oh. I think weekly we should have uh, public beheadings for mm-hmm. for crimes. Yes. And that uh, it should be televised nationally, uh-huh. and that it should be mandatory watching for everybody from age six on up. Well, it'll be welcoming to a lot of the 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 the, the people who are sneaking into the country. For instance, I think we have a a, a new result. We have at least a hundred and fifteen suspected terrorists from the Middle East who have snuck through the southern border. So I'd like to make them feel at home. You have to wrap that in some kind of welcoming sanctuary city thing. So you could say, here, we're just going to make you feel like you're back home and we're going to behead criminals. I think you might be onto something. After all, the statue that was pushed over, that's exactly what happened. The head fell off the statue and ruined it. It only survived a thousand years, only to be destroyed by an American. Thank you very much. On vacation, they can be the most destructive out there, the American tourist. 312-642-5600. Call Sean now. 312-642-5600. AM 560, The Answer. I'll tell you what, though. If you don't go together and you let the Fourth Reich take over, I don't know, there might be a benefit. For instance, there's going to be a lot less parking, and you won't have to tip your Uber driver. We meet for the 20th. I hope I will have the pleasure still to be invited for the meeting when we meet for the 20th. Really, are we hoping? Because I'm hoping you're taking a dirt nap, me, myself. I hope you say hello to Madeleine Albright. Governance Summit. You will use the app like Uber. Uber! But not anymore to call some driver. He means driver. You got to pay attention. When the Fuhrer talks, pay attention. Will you turn up the volume? But uh, automatically guided car, a self driven car, Excellent will come to your hotel or wherever you are. And we'll bring you to the airport. No, Los Angeles is one of the cities with the heavy... Stupin, stupin, stupin. Und I don't know how that German porn never caught on. Yes, traffic. Who told me in 2030, Los Angeles will be private car driven free. And this will allow to transform highways into... Parks and other public spheres. This will spheres. be a transformation. Yeah, bull. Idiot. James and Schomburg. Hey, how you doing, Sean? Wonderful. How are you? Uh, three quick points. I, I know you're uh, under the gun here, but I thought the other one you had Scott on yesterday was awesome. I, I envision that the regular spot. It'll be Sean's education corner. You get some clever little bumper music and you bring him in. <laughs> All right. And uh, it should be awesome. That'd be fantastic. Thank you. You know, like something from the fifties, you know, Absolutely. and then on McCarthy, I think it's hysterical that he got hammered by Pelosi and betrayed by the Democrats. Now he knows what it's like to feel with what he did to us. Exactly. From rubber, you know, from rubber gate right on. And then the last thing was these clowns, with the shutdown for three years and the lockdown, they actually taught the American public. They don't even realize they did it. But we know you can shut down the government for three years. Secretary of State's office, everything, right on down the line. Yeah. doesn't matter. So we can live without a functional government. They proved it to us whether we liked it or not. I love years. that, James. Let's go back to so a COVID-sized government. Shut it down. Ooh, I love that. We go back to, thank you, James, for the call, a COVID-sized government. And you know what's funny? Uh, I was in California, and the good people in California, I only got 20 seconds, 
All right, we'll discuss that. I'll pick it up later. Because I have to tell you, things are changing. This is the most optimistic time in America since Barack Obama, the collapse, and the massive growth of government, really led by a bipartisan fashion in the dumbest president and then the next dumbest president, W and Obama. We're lucky it's only this bad. I'll be back. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merck, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now... With personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. This looks like a job for me, so everybody just follow me, because we need a little controversy. If you were paying attention after the so-called financial collapse of 2008, there was something called the Dodd-Frank, ironically named after two morons that perpetrated the collapse itself. However, it wasn't written by those buffoons. They never wrote or read any of the bills they passed. And the things that were in Dodd-Frank were such outrageous bureaucracies. One of them that is clearly something that is, in my opinion, unconstitutional, but specifically un-American, is the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Let's name it unicorns and lollipops, and we'll hide it the fact that what this entity does is protect the consumer from financial benefits of capitalism and Americanism. Very, very few people were willing to take it on. The entity known as Landmark Legal Foundation is not only one of the people that refuse to be intimidated, but one of the entities that can correctly diagnose the problem of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. In fact, it's challenging its constitutionality right now, and we are lucky enough to have one of the people instrumental in it. Matt Forries, thank you so much for joining me. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me on, Sean. This is something I've been waiting to happen since the implementation of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which is so uh, Orwellian that it really needs to be taken on. What are your chances before the Supreme Court? Well, unfortunately, I got to be honest, Sean, the oral argument did not go well for our side. And the reason why I say that is the, uh, the solicitor, uh, the, the lawyer who was arguing the case for our side, the former solicitor general under President Trump, was kind of caught in the weakest terrain possible for us. He was interrupted a lot almost filibustering questions from the liberal justices. So it got focused on the micro level, the appropriations clause, and not on the macro level, the separation of powers generally, where we're strongest. So listening to that argument, it was, it was not very good for our side, I, I'm really sorry to say, because the CFPB is such a monstrosity. And it's something that James Madison and Alexander Hamilton would just be absolutely appalled by. Well, and that's the problem with it, right? It, 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 it's thrown at you like a shotgun to a wall, and there's so many problems with it, you get dragged off in the minute rather than keeping the perspective of what it is, the entity that it is, the Leviathan, and the bureaucracy, because we're talking about an entity that, how many, I mean, what's the budget of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and how many people does it employ? I'm not sure the numbers of employees, but it has... Uh, it spends about 700 million plus a year. And the reason why the, the funding came at issue in this case, it was just really unprecedented. Now, when you take things at the micro level, things here and there about its uh, funding, then that was like in the argument kind of justified. But taking as a whole, the whole thing is a monstrosity that's unprecedented. 
what I mean by that, it, let me take a step back, if you don't mind, to sure. go back to yeah. 2010, like you talked about. Okay. So the, the Bureau was set up as an independent Bureau within the Federal Reserve as a type of administrative agency. And administrative agencies are already kind of constitutionally suspect, right? Mm-hmm. Because they perform three functions of branches of government. They've got legislative, judicial, and executive powers. That means they issue rules, they have enforcement actions, and then they have administrative hearings. This is a blending of the separation of powers, one of the very things our Constitution is designed to prevent. Now, to make it even worse, they set up the leadership of this organization with a single director, term of five years, who couldn't be fired for cause by the president. So that meant the president could find himself not able to remove the head of this agency for his entire term. Right. And when you go back to people like Barney Frank, they said explicitly, we wanted this thing to run on autopilot. So yes. if the director got hit by a car, it would still go. OK, so that aspect of it, this thing is is able to issue billion dollar fines. Right. It, it centralizes the, uh, the regulation of consumer finance, a huge part of the economy under one person. So that aspect of it went to the Supreme Court a few years back and say the law. The Supreme Court struck it down, the, the leadership provision, as unconstitutional. Unfortunately, they left the rest of the statute standing, and the, the funding of this organization was left you know, in place. So, that's the, so that, to me, is the, is the tripping point, right? So the Congress and we the people pay for it all. Yet we have virtually no oversight. And I remembered when Richard Con, what's his name? Condre Cordray, the first guy right, that Obama Cordray. put in there. This is an asset and an apparatchik of the Democrat mafia, his entire career. He's in charge of it. We don't really know the amount of money. The reason I ask you that is because it just grows. We have virtually no oversight and we have no control over it, right? That's, that's exactly right. The way it was set up, was that it was unaccountable to both Congress for the appropriations, getting the funding, and unaccountable to the president because the president couldn't fire the director. So that meant it's unaccountable to the people, right? And so if you're out there and you're thinking, well, why should I care? This is a consumer finance regulator. They're out to protect me. Well, anytime the boundaries of the separation of powers are broken, it's bad for our personal liberties. Our framers of the Constitution they, they set up the separation of powers to protect individual liberties. That was the point of it. So we should all be worried when you see these monstrosities with nearly unlimited funding able to engage in all types of uh, government actions. Like I said, judicial, executive, and uh, um, legislative when they issue rules. So the reason I'm so aggravated about it is because I understand the cost of bureaucracy, A. But what this entity, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, is able to do is write thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of regulation that doesn't affect the people directly, but it affects what the people need directly. The banks, the trading firms, the hedge fund, the velocity of money, and the cost of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau really is hard to quantify. You're talking in the hundreds of billions of dollars of just the cost of these companies having to hire very specific lawyers that have a fast track to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. In essence, they can't interpret the kind of regulations, but they can fast track to the leadership of the 
the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. So you've backdoor nationalized Wall Street. You backdoor nationalized banks. You put in there the regulatory minefield that government loves because the reality is nobody can interpret the laws anyway. There are thousands of pages. Has anybody been able to interpret the minefield of regulation that is the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau? Well, not many. Let me tell you who didn't do a good job of it is Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo had to pay $3.7 billion in, in December 2022 for mismanagement, they claim, of auto loans and mortgages and deposit accounts. So you can find yourself in front of this behemoth, right? And, you know, it, it sounds strange. We're talking about the side of, of the big banks and regulate, you know, who are being regulated. But we still need to have someone looking out for these engines of, of wealth in the United States, right? Let me tell you an interesting point was that there was a stealth conservative who was inside the CFPB when it first started. And he was there when they were making the hiring of all the, to fill up this bureau. And basically they shot down anyone who hinted at being a conservative to come in. Yeah. So this is an agency with vast powers and they're all out to get you if, if you're on the capitalist side. Well, Richard Cordray is known for that. He built an infrastructure of mafia. It started with a few people with massive, massive power. And the cost is they also had to hire lawyers that were friendly to both Richard and the Democrat mafia so they could have some sort of grace. And one thing I'm interested in is, number one, when Wells Fargo gets a fine, it doesn't pay it. It just passes that on to anybody who even banks there for for the future. How much of the fines does the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau keep? Because I'm awful sick of these government entities that are incentivized to rule against the American people, businesses, and then keep a portion of the fine. Do we know what the breakdown is? Does the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau financially benefit from fines it levies against banks and entities? Well, they have something called the Civil Penalty Fund, and they say they use that to provide relief to victims of consumer fraud violations. Uh, I have not looked into how much gets doled out or what's in that fund at the at the moment, but. Uh, you know, it's it's basically there are billions of dollars at stake in their hands, right? Yeah. And, and an entire huge amount of the economy that they regulate. It's an extortion mafia. And every dollar that goes away from the economy, from the people, goes into the government. And once it's in there, it's never really clean again. But the real part that I find annoying is can congressmen look and get the answer to the question I just posed to you? Can our congressmen that we elect in a republic, can they say, hey, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, I'd like to see if you get money from the money you find these people and what you do with it. Is Can we look at this, this entity? Well, here's the problem, and this is what is so diabolical about this, the way it was set up. It doesn't go through the normal appropriations process, so it doesn't have to uh, explain itself to the House and Senate Budget and Appropriations Committees because it goes directly for its funding. So what you and I just did in four minutes, what you and I just did, and all the people listening are chewing on their steering wheel right now, please tell me, even though the argument wasn't articulated perfectly, that that was conveyed to the Supreme Court because on that point alone, to me, it is unconstitutional. And I don't know how any rational person who understands the principle of law can think of this entity as constitutional. Was that point presented to the court? It was, but there were points along the way that the lawyer for our side was saying that there's an element to it. It was really unusual, the ability to reinvest money. 
And as soon as that point was brought up, he was interrupted and it moved oh. on to another one of the, the left wing points. So, so next time, let's me and you do it. You take me there. I have a suit. I'll put a tie on, even though I hate him. And we'll make the argument because on that point alone, I really don't care about the rest of it. Because what happens to me or what happens that I've noticed is that these assets of the mafia, these they're, they're called liberal, but they're not liberal. You and I are liberal. The principles of my nation are liberal. They're government supremacists. So Sotomayor in between the buffet in the back at the Supreme Court and fat judge in a little little role, Belena Kagan, and affirmative action Jackson, they're not interested in ruling on the side of principle. They're going to protect the government stronghold on the economy. So right there we lose three. Who is this really up to, and can we count on Roberts rewriting it so the government gets control like he did Obamacare? I do not see Roberts as very strong on our side. And the questioning from Brett Kavanaugh was he took a very formalistic approach. He saw it again as like at the micro level, there was a one-time authorization and an appropriations. Uh, and then Amy Coney Barrett also was seemed skeptical of our side. So that's, oh that's five right there, unfortunately. So that's it. So it's like my first day in prison, prepare for a fight, right? And can we bring it up again? Well, it's going to be hard. And unfortunately, at this stage, looking at it realistically, we're not going to get this thing slowed down until we have sufficient conservative control in both houses of Congress. So good luck with that. That can take years. And, and not only that, why would a future president want to give up this fund for, for his, uh, his government, right? The way it's set up is there's, there's a, an uncapped, for the most part, except for inflation, fund that he can use to regulate the economy. In the hands of the progressives, they're never, wanna, never gonna wanna give that up. So you're gonna have to have a, sufficient votes to overcome a presidential veto. So we could be stuck with this for a while. You know, Matt, why, I've, do you think it's just too complex for future presidents, future senators, future congressmen to run on? Because this is the kind of thing that once the people understand the legislative, the intended legislative minefield this entity is, and they can maybe put a dollar on what it costs you in just something as simplistic as a mortgage or as a, a insurance policy, maybe we can stoke some excitement about removing this because the reality is this was passed right away. After the collapse of 08. So this is something we've been strapped with. I think it was officially passed in 11. But here you have 13 years, hundreds of billions of dollars. But more importantly, what this entity has done has prevented competition to the people. So fewer and fewer banks, fewer and fewer hedge funds, fewer and fewer insurance companies. Do you think maybe we could articulate it that way and maybe get some arguments that were better than the one that it looks like was presented to the Supreme Court? There's always a chance, and I really like the way you articulate it. I like the way you're on the side of freedom and how freedom creates wealth. That's what we have to remember. There's this new faith in regulators, like we're all going to do better if we have regulators looking out for us. They're taking money out of our pocket. They're slowing down the engine of the economy. There are fewer and fewer people pulling the wagon, fewer and fewer capitalists, and everyone else is on the train riding, right? And the more rules and restrictions you put on the capitalists here in this country that the worse off we're going to be as consumers. You know what I'm sick about, man? This is something that should have been challenged instantaneously. Instantaneously. Yet here we are, 13 years, 14 years, whatever it is, and you and the people at Landmark Legal Foundation, the wonderful lawyers, 
You challenged it. But we waited 13 years. I need that if we don't get the way we need it to fall, which from the sound of your interpretation doesn't look like we're going to get a win, I need somebody to come back from the Legal Mar- Landmark Foundation and do it again. So do the people, can they go there and support you and find out and be kept in the loop? Where do they go? Yeah, absolutely. And let me just real quick, let me be clear. We are writing as a friend of the court. We weren't representing the party, so that was not us in that challenge. We weren't the, the lawyers doing the direct challenge. Oh, I read your brief. I thought it was you. I'm sorry. I apologize. Sure. Yeah, we're, we're one of the briefs as a front of the court brief. We weren't the, uh, the actual representing the parties. But if you go to landmarklegal.org, you'll see more of the cases that we're involved in. And some of the other things we do are election security, border security, workers' rights. Lots of, lots of fight against the administrative state, which is unaccountable to the people. Yes. Well, you're an interesting lawyer yourself. Before I hang up on you, which I'll do in about three minutes, you started out as a soldier, didn't you? Well, I've been in the reserves uh, since I was 21. I was in RTC, so I've been in the reserves, and uh, I, I was uh, deployed to Iraq. I was in the military police, and we had the uh, detention operations mission there as things were winding down. Um, and I'm very proud of my time in the Army, the little the little bit that I did, um, my father was in the army, and my uncle was in the army. So, well, it's, it's something. I'm what really I'm proud of is the work that, the, that you and the people at Landmark Legal Foundation do. But more importantly, what I'm relying on are lawyers that understand the rule of American law and how it is the shield of the ordinary, honest American versus the weapon of the bureaucracy. And that's what I need. For the future. So I need you to stay strong and keep me in the loop on everything you're doing. Will you please? Absolutely. Thank you, counselor. Matt, now you say it like uh, Foreys, right? Am I saying it right? That's correct. Matt Foreys at the Landmark Legal Foundation. Really, I appreciate you. And don't lose hope. I mean, sometimes you got to take a loss to come back and win. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. We'll be back with your calls and comments. I was listening to the Sean Thompson show. I am saddened that this guy supposedly represents us. I mean, I am appalled. He's just disgusting, sexist pig, and an absolute disgrace. Thank you. AM five sixty. The answer. We have a hard note. For immigrants coming to a very hard note. We come in a community of black people where we already get the low scraps. And then you want to take the little scraps, the resources that we have, and put us at the bottom of the barrel? That's not fair. And I won't have it. So, uh, aside from the chaos and the calamity and the, what is it, uh, Michigan Avenue with the largest recorded vacancy in history? Everybody's afraid to go east of, uh, Harlem Avenue without an armored vehicle and cars, but Larry wants to inform us of something. Larry, Oak Forest. Yeah, hi, Sean. I, I almost gagged when I heard uh, on the news just now on your station, Chicago was voted the best city in the in the country. <laughs> Man. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was voted that way by uh, health care providers and emergency rooms. Who else would? I mean, it's so ridiculous. They put lipstick on the pig of failure, which is what the Democrats do, right? <laughs> it's a very, very cosmopolitan area. Go there, I dare you, which I believe is the official slogan, Larry. It's only voted that way by morons. Thank you very much. Then explain what a mass exodus 
of businesses and decent people. And you know, an interesting thing happened in the city of Chicago. There's a idea that's been floated that I thought would be rejected on its face, and that was that Brandon Johnson and the 50 Thieves were posing as aldermen could impose a 6% tax on property that's sold that's worth over, I think it's a million bucks. That'll go good. I dare you to make money on your house. Go ahead, see how that goes. Cream Puff Jim, what are you going to do? You're going to you're going to pay the the six percent because I'm guessing the abode you're in is well over a million. Am I correct? Sure it is. Sure it is. Sure, that's what I that's what I value it at. But good yeah. luck if they try. I, I got your TV still with the antennas like the rabbit ears that you're fighting in between TV dinners and your stained undershirt. Go ahead. Anyway, I came across Horace Greeley's uh, quote in the uh, when he ran for president in the 1870s. Yeah. He said, he said, I don't know for the presidency or the penitentiary. I'll tell you what, it's funny. I, you might as well focus on those old time politicians, because if you look around at these modern day Democrats, it'll explain why Trump is the pick of the litter. A former Democrat and somebody who is the most obvious victim of the abuse of the law that I think I've ever seen. President of the United States has complained that I'm engaging in some sort of political witch hunt, that I've got some personal vendetta against him. That I- well, Letitia, you're um, you're alleging a crime in which nobody was a grievance. There's no victim in the crime. Exactly. What are you charging him with there, Fatso? I campaigned against him. That is not true. This illegitimate president who sits in the White House. That president, because he's not my president, he's an illegitimate president. Oh, boy. Did she, not, did she not know that her big fat derriere was being recorded on the big microphone? Didn't she not know that? Days are numbers. Yeah. We've got to get ready to mobilize and we've got to get ready to agitate and irritate until victory is won, but more importantly, until Trump is defeated. Now, I know you're not going to see this on CNN. But you see, before she was all polished up and in position of power, she was another radical mafia supporter of the greatest uh, scam perpetrated on man, the, the modern day Democrat Party. Boy, I haven't heard this kind of never Trumper since Adam Kinzinger left Congress. Donald Trump has got to go. Hey, hey. Ho, ho. Donald Trump has got to go. Hey, hey. Ho, ho. I'd like to offer that to the Donald Trump defense because that's all they should do. That's all they should play, because Donald Trump was exactly right. This is the most obvious political persecution this country's ever seen. A lot of people have been calling me about speaker. I'll do whatever it is to help, but my focus, my total focus is being president. Yeah, well, that's if he's if he if he just is asked to be the speaker of the House. I don't think that's the way he should go. I think he should focus on using this for the greatest campaign ad that's ever been given. Today, if you read the New York Law Journal, they basically say they have no case against Trump. But I'm here, stuck here, and I can't campaign. I'd rather be right now in Iowa. I'd rather be in New Hampshire, South Carolina, or Ohio, or a lot of other places. But I'm stuck here because I have a corrupt attorney general that can 
nice and busy because I'm leading Biden in the polls by a lot. That's all this is. This is election interference. They made up a fake case. They're fraudulent people. And the judge already knows what he's going to do. He's a Democrat judge. In all fairness to him, he has no choice. See, I don't like when he does that. I understand he's doing that because he's trying to stay out of jail. But of course he has a choice. Regardless of his policy, I mean, outside of these Democrat sewers, is the law, does the law mean nothing? And then you look at this judge and you realize he's going to railroad him in the same fashion this idiot who's on tape for months as not only an anti-Trump murder, but promising to misuse law. And the only reason she could do that is because in these Democrat sewers, the judges want to do the exact same thing. He has no choice. He's run by the Democrats. I know this city better than anybody knows this city. There's nobody knows it like I do. He's a Democrat judge out of the clubhouses. He's controlled, and it's a shame. What's going on here is a shame. Our whole system is corrupt. This is corrupt. Atlanta is corrupt. And what's coming out of D.C. is corrupt. But this is a good one because this one is interesting. mean that's a that's a harsh accusation i don't think that's a harsh harsh accusation at all you see i watch the senate hearing committees when you see that judges like the judge before ted cruz who have been actively judges for 16 years and you say what kind of judge could possibly what kind of lawyer could possibly be a judge when he's this clearly an asset of the marxist mafia senator uh when I was preparing and reviewing uh, my materials and, uh, for this hearing and for the, the process, uh, I also have to admit that uh, that writing was far from clear or articulate, and, and the poetry was definitely not good. Now, Senator, I, I don't make... Do you I, believe I, we need to have a creative struggle towards redefining property? This is somebody that he wants to be called honorable, but he's not. He's just a 16-year Democrat judge by the name of Mustafa Kushabi, who you should have never heard of, who hopefully no American that wasn't in the Marxist mafia ever went before, because he's an admitted Marxist. And Ted Cruz posed the writings where he talks fondly of Karl Marx and the idea that America needs to redefine property. You know, the only country found on the property of the individual rather than the strength of government. That's what is being obstructed. That's what's being undermined. That's who the Democrats are. Which is what you were advocating for. That was something that I wrote 30 years ago, Senator, and in the course of just uh, exploring law school and the ideas that came with. Okay, so your flirtations with Marxism were 30 years ago. So let's go more recent. In 2020, you gave a speech entitled Reflections on Equity and Privilege. And you said, quote, first, the world is wide enough for all of us. Privilege derives its power from the belief in scarcity, scarcity of money, natural resources, food and power itself. The desire to control it all drives privilege. I want to suggest to you that equity, the idea of equity, rejects this model of scarcity. Now, that's Marxism in 2020. I've, what did that what, mean? I've, What's your combating? Is this idea that America has been free long enough that you have been able to build property, to build assets, to enjoy your freedom long enough. And what they're trying to do is capitalize on the fact that America rolled over for the last three years to government supremacy. And they're never going to acknowledge exactly how we got there and where the fraud lies and how the government misused the power it already had prior to covid 
This morning, the CIA confirms it's looking into accusations that several members of an agency team tasked with COVID pandemic analysis were paid significant hush money to shift their position regarding the origins of the virus. Now, why would the CIA be bribing people from looking at the origins of the virus? Why would the government be trying to keep a lid on the origins of the pandemic, the greatest excuse used to take away your American freedoms and the principles of our nation. Two Republican lawmakers have sent a letter to CIA Director William Burns claiming that a senior-level current agency officer came forward alleging the payoff. They say, according to the whistleblower, seven officers were assigned to the CIA's COVID discovery team, and six of the seven members of the team believed the intelligence and science were sufficient to make a low-confidence assessment that COVID-19 originated from a laboratory in Wuhan, China. See, now the next speaker, this has to be the main focus because Kevin McCarthy, for his nine months, didn't want to investigate this. Kevin McCarthy was a step and fetch to go along, to get along, to cover up the greatest government abuse of the American people in the history of our nation. I'm, I'm fully prepared to accept the truth of who's behind this. After all, only the people that are willing to bribe up, bribe the evidence, are the people that would want to hide who's behind it. The letter claims only one person on that team who was most senior believed that COVID could have been transmitted from animals to humans, but that to come to the eventual public determination of uncertainty, the other six members were given a significant monetary incentive to change their position. Why would the CIA bribe six people, six scientists to investigate the origin? Why? I think for the same reason Pfizer worked in conjunction with Fauci to open up a research lab in Wuhan, China in 2009. 312-642-5600. Broadcasting from the Petri dish of corruption known as the state of Illinois. In the upper Midwest, in the nation, and around the world. This is the Sean Thompson Show on AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. So it's interesting... I got a text from a friend of mine talking about the Chicago 6% tax. He says, well, they're selling it under a millionaire's tax. That's always the way they've been selling this kind of government control. And people look away from the corruption, the waste, fraud, and abuse. The fact that in these sanctuary states, the government is stealing 50% of the money they say they're using for migrants, illegal aliens. And they're building up their posse through the process of staffing these pretend entities that help. So sooner or later they wake up. Well, they're not going to wake up in Chicago yet. After all, you just elected this moron who's standing there in a $6,000 suit dressed like Lori Lightfoot, who's making water payments on his own home, even though he makes over $200,000 in two ghost jobs from the CTU and from the, the Cook County Commission, where they practice parking and forest preserves all day long. But it's nice to see that some areas are waking up. Now, it's going to have to get worse. It's going to have to get as bad as California, because right now... California is making some advancements in throwing up, the, throwing off the corruption. There's a big move by the Republicans. There's a Republican by the name of Shannon Grove. She's in the state Senate, but she's making some waves and she's bringing some attention to a lot of entities, a lot of issues that need to be brought to. You know, it also affects housing, the climate policies, because under California law, driving long distance is considered an impact on the climate. So an outlying community can't be built for new housing. So it's- so the zoning is being controlled. 
so that people can't leave the inner cities. They have to stay in the cities. How are they doing it? They're doing it under the guise of climate policy. It's all this infill. It's all this squeeze people together and create density in single-family neighborhoods that get people all upset. They're pushing for that because if you try to get approval to develop housing in an outlying area, like a new suburb, oh my goodness, that's sprawl, that's bad for the climate. Well, the price of housing in California and the shortage of new housing in California, it's a very severe problem. Should we balance that against what this policy is doing for the climate, which is, by the way, nothing? It's doing nothing. Because the other thing is this, this, this policy of taxing people whose house exceeds a certain amount of money. This is what they did in California. You know what happened? People don't sell the house. They'd rather have it vacant. They'll put it in an LLC. They'll rent it to their cousin, whatever the case is. They will not bend knee to corrupt politicians. So what happens? Now they can't afford to live there. And then you have the homeless issue, just like you do in Chicago. Well, it's starting to get a little bit obvious where even Chicago is pushing back. Well, tensions flare inside city council chambers as Mayor Brandon Johnson looks to advance some big agenda items. But some council members want the mayor to focus on what they see as more immediate issues facing both residents and those new arrivals, the migrants. Are we running out of time here, McBeth? Fastest show on radio. All right, well, listen, I am not going to be here tomorrow, but Johnny Anthony and the Troublemaker will be here. You'll be in good hands. In the meantime, have a good weekend. Have a safe weekend. And if you're in the city of Chicago, keep your head on a swivel. I'll be back on Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.